Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Pastor, where we look at movies, music, comics, and more from the perspective of faith. again, everyone. This is your self-proclaimed pop culture pastor, Chris Perry. Thanks for joining us for another episode as we're kicking off season two. Today, we're going to continue a series that we started last season called Haunted by Transcendence. This is where we're looking at, quote-unquote, secular songs that are still struggling with the sacred. You know, artists that very often would say that, that they're not Christian or aren't believers, and yet naming how there's still some some tension there. The the idea of something supernatural seems to haunt them. Uh, so the last episode, I talked about the 1975, and we saw some of those themes in their music. And a lot of what we're talking about in these episodes comes from the work of the philosopher Charles Taylor in his book, A Secular Age. Uh, so again, you can listen to that previous episode in this series, or the episode uh, called Content Creator Church, where uh, I'm looking at some of those themes with, I have actually started reading the book now. I, I have not finished it because it's gigantic, uh, but I have at least started it instead of just reading other books about it. But just a real quick recap on, on this idea, the, the themes we're seeing here is, it's, it's naming the fact that you know, we've gone from a time where it was impossible not to believe in God to now when it's often hard to completely fully believe in God, right? There were no atheists in 1500, and while that's not necessarily the default now, belief is always contested. There are other forces that seem to be pulling us. If, if we claim uh, faith, there always seem to be things that make that difficult. And uh, some of the language that uh, Taylor uses is talking about the, the imminent frame, imminent as the opposite of transcendent, right? So the natural world just seems like what is actually real, and the transcendent seems a little harder to, to grasp, even for those who want to, but even those who would say that, that they don't believe in it, it, it still seems like it's, it's there. And so one of the ideas that I talked about before, and we're going to talk about a lot with the artists we're looking at today, is that everyone is kind of on a scale. We want to divide it up into the simple binary of you either have believers who are spiritual or you have atheists who are secular. Well, everybody's on a scale, and really nobody is at 100% on either side. Yes, most that are on either of those sides may say that it is that simple but in reality, it doesn't always seem that way. So the artists that we're going to use to talk about this today come from a group called Boy Genius. So this is a, I guess, super group is, is the name for it because it's three young female singer-songwriters, Lucy Dacus, Julian Baker, and Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, they've all done a lot of great solo work, but they put out an EP together in 2018. And just a few weeks ago, they released their first full album, uh, called The Record. And so we're going to look at each of these artists and see, in some sense, where they fall on this that scale of believers or not, and see how all of them are wrestling with faith in different ways and how that impacts 
their relationships, their understanding of sexuality, their understanding of community, and see what insight we can gain regardless of where we fall on that scale. Now, the way today's episode is structured, since we have three artists, we're going to look at a song from each of them. And I've got guests who are going to come in for a couple of the songs, uh, but for the first artist we're going to look at, it's, it's just going to be me. Uh, we're going to start by talking about Julian Baker, and uh, I know that I had a conversation with someone somewhere about them really liking her music, and I would have loved to have that person be on this episode to talk about Julian with me, but I could not remember or figure out who that was looking through all my messages. So if you're that person, hey, let me know, and I apologize, um, but we're going to start out talking about Julian Baker with a song called Happy to Be Here from her 2017 album, Turn Out the Lights. Now, of, of the three artists that we're looking at, Julian, Lucy, and Phoebe, I feel like uh, Julian is most, you know, if you go to that sliding scale of uh, believer to atheist, she's more on the believer side of, of any of the others. If you go back to some of her first music, she was in a band called Forrester that seemed like it was basically a Christian band. I haven't really listened to them, but just even looking at the song titles, it seems like it's using a lot of Christian imagery. Uh, and so that's her faith uh, is a pretty important part of her life. And for a lot of her career, she's identified as a Christian. Now, she came out when she was 17. And so obviously that's going to cause her to reevaluate some of her relationship to the church. Uh, that's still often a, a tricky issue uh, for many that have had to, to work through and think about how that affects their faith. Really the, the bigger thing in her life that's affected you know, her personal journey has been her struggles with substance abuse and, and mental health. And when, when people of faith are dealing with that, it seems to me like you can go in two different directions. For some people, it's, well, does faith provide stability or certainty during that struggle? Or is faith something that actually complicates the struggle? Is, is God helping me through this? Or is it sometimes I trust in God, so why am I going through this? Uh, it seems like it's more of the second with her, but I, I presented that as a binary, which a lot of what we're doing here is breaking those down. Right? It's Faith doesn't always work one way or the other. Sometimes it does provide stability, and sometimes it doesn't, and that's uh, destabilizing. So one of the features of Julian's music is it's, at least for our first couple of albums, is a lot of times very simple musicality and very intense lyrics. You know, it's you are really getting um, what she's experiencing. She is she's not sugarcoating or making it easy. Uh, she's she describes her struggles with addiction in, in pretty clear terms. And this is a song that uh, really does get to that. Uh, it's really a song about checking into a clinic when, when she was getting clean. But we're going to hear a little bit of it and listen for what she's saying or what she's really assuming about, about God in this. So let's hear a bit of Happy to Be Here. Foggy circuitry explains how I was made. Now the engineer is listening as I voice all my complaints from an So she's talking about like the way her brain works. It's it's faulty circuitry. 
uh, and how she was how she was made. And she mentions the engineer, which to me seems like it's talking about God. Right? God's the creator. God's the engineer, the one who made her. She just has some issues with with how she's wired, how God wired her. And you know that's that's a struggle that many people of faith have. Of if God is good and God made me, why am I like this? Couldn't I have been made differently? Right. That that's a difficult question. But for the purposes of how, how we're looking at the songs today, it's the assumption here, at least in this song, of, well, somebody did make me like this. It's not just random brain chemistry, but it feels like there's an engineer, and I'm going to voice my complaints to him. You know, lament is something that I know I've talked a lot about in my ministry as an essential part of our relationship with God. Um, and for the for people who... Are, are focused on, you know, faith as certainty and just knowing what's right. Lament seems like, well, I'm not supposed to do that because that's saying something's not right. And so I do think that's a, a little bit deeper level of faith to be able to voice those complaints and expect that God hears us. But that is still the stance of someone on the side of, of belief to think that there's a point to making those complaints, to believing that, that you're heard. And so again, in the song, she's, she's talking about these struggles to want to change, uh, to make that effort herself. And she wonders, you know, why, why not me? You can see other people of faith who it seems to work out well for, or they, even if they have struggles, they're able to get over them. And it's not that simple. You know, that's the last line of the song, the last line of I mean, I guess you could call it the chorus. You know, the, like I mentioned, this, the song structure is, is pretty simple and, and to the point. But why am I like this? Why not me? Why can't I be fixed? All right, let's listen to another line and see how she continues to wrestle with this desire to change and where God is in that. Grit my teeth and strive to act deserving When I know there is no So she wants change, but she's doubtful that it'll actually happen. You know, transformation is, uh, again, a central aspect, a hope of our faith that God can make us who we're meant to be. And you know, she's naming this tension of, you know, I want to act like I deserve it. Uh, I want to just do the work, grit my teeth, uh, be optimistic, and make it happen. Instead, she's realizing, you know, really, I, I just have to... I can't hide from your grace, which is really a difficult but accurate de- description of what it's like to accept divine forgiveness from a Christian perspective. Grace is humiliating. It's undeserved, and often we don't like that. But again, as, as we're looking at this song, she's, she's struggling, but she's struggling as a believer. This is why it's hard to trust God or accept grace as someone who assumes that it is there. You know, what I like about Julian's music, at least in this phase of her career, is it's showing, yeah, it's, it doesn't make things easy. In fact, you know, knowing that there's, believing there's a creator uh, who, you know, made me how I am and can offer grace, that doesn't just make it happen immediately. And that's where people of faith struggle, right? I think this is that being pulled uh, in the other direction, when when we have, when we would say that we're a believer, 
is there are forces that make belief difficult. You know, in some ways, it would be simpler to just say, okay, I have substance abuse issues, and it's just on me, and that's just you know random brain chemistry, and so I do have to fix it. It is just on me to acknowledge, well, I also want to appeal to a higher power in this journey. Now, I, I believe that does make a difference, but that also brings along some challenges. So faith is not just a simplistic thing that, that resolves all of our problems. Sometimes being a believer itself is what makes more tension in life. And the tension doesn't stop. Uh, I believe that since this album came out in, in 2017, uh, Julian had another relapse, and in other places she's talked about how her faith journey has continued. You know, these things are never really settled. I mean, she's younger in, in life, and so, of course, it's not you're going to have everything figured out when you're in your early 20s. But even no matter where you are, um, faith is not something that just is simple. It's meant to be something, I think, that we struggle with all of our life, that we wrestle with. And that's why I love about her music is she is doing that in a brutally honest way. And for those who want to pretend like, got everything figured out, and I always have, and it never needs to be reflected on. Uh, whether you go through difficult things like mental health issues, there's going to be something that should wake you up to see where you need to reflect more, and that's one of the things I love about her music. All right, well, that's all I had to say about Julian Baker. Again, apologies to any Julian super fans out there who could have provided a little more insight but let's uh, get to our first guest and then get to our next member of Boy Genius. Well, our first guest today is my friend, Ann Rollins. So welcome to the show, Ann. Thanks, Chris. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, uh, you've actually sort of been on the show already because you contributed to our pop culture consolations and desolations of 2022 last year. So yes. uh, now we're actually getting you on the show to actually have a conversation uh, Ann and I have been friends for a long time since college, which is 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's insane, but <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> there it is. crazy. <laughs> uh, so usually the way we uh, start with our guests is a little bit of your spiritual bio. You know, don't need the your full story, but you know, how have you grown up uh, spiritually and your relationship with church in the beginning and kind of where you're at now? Sure, absolutely. So I know from from listening to several of your other guests that that grew up in the Church of Christ world, uh, I grew up in the church, right? So Mm -hmm. definitely um, grew up in in Hutchinson, Kansas, and uh, was raised in the Church of Christ. It It was a great experience. I had a really great spiritual experience growing up. My parents were both Christians. My grandparents were all Christians. We it was a really big thing for us. Uh, We were at church all the time. Mm-hmm. We we never missed. We never missed Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We were at all of the activities. We were uh, we participated in literally everything that church had to offer. Um and I loved it. I wanted it that way. I think that that was it was a really positive positive experience. I loved church camp. I mm-hmm. uh, loved um you know, it seemed like a lot of my friends were were went to church with me and um, that was a really great, just great growing up um, in, in that that type of environment. I don't feel like I really came into my own probably until college. And mm-hmm. that was when I really started questioning and 
thinking about things differently, really digging in to scripture in a different way. I think a lot of that was our group of friends was really good about having those conversations and, mm-hmm. and not just taking things at status quo. Um, and I think that over the last 20 years, we've, we've all really grown in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, some people have, have grown out of a relationship, you know, and I think that in my twenties, I really struggled with, with spirituality, with faith, just by some personal, personal things that I was going through with emotional, you know, just depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and codependency and lots of different, different things that, that really made me question but then I think at the same time when I was struggling, I really realized that 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 God was there. He wasn't, he wasn't mm. leaving. Um, and so it kind of made me recommit. And that's when I went and served in Australia, served overseas, just like you all did. And that was an incredible experience and getting out of this American culture <laughs> of faith and looking at it in a different way. Um, and I would say, you know, up till today, I still feel like in some ways church is different than like my faith journey. I mm. still feel a commitment to attending church, to going to worship, but it's, it's been tough. It's mm. tough as a single 39 year old woman in the church. Is there really a place for me? It's still, it's still tough. Is there a spot for me there? I don't know. Mm. But in my own personal life, really tried to hold on to that spirituality and that faith. And, and that's important to me. Yeah. And that so a lot of that connects with some of the stories we're talking about with, yeah. with these artists, right? Of as, as we're talking about Lucy Dacus in just a minute, right? She had a mm-hmm. kind of similar experience of going to church all the time. And, you know, as a as a pastor, I'm just always curious, like, what is it that leads people when they get to that point and you know, you experience depression and and a lot of questions that maybe get answered maybe don't some you know turn to god and some just can't find that connection again and that's you know as as you know i mentioned in the intro talking about this being haunted by transcendence the living in a secular age right that even for those of us who would put ourselves on the side of being a believer it's always contested it's never 100% and and sometimes it probably dips below 50 but we're still here. And so uh, we kind of are figuring it out. Yes. And I know, especially right now, just, and not to get too political, but just the, the, the kind of bad rap, I think that Christianity has right now in, Mm -hmm. in, in American culture. And it makes it even tougher for, for those of us who, who still have that, you know, relationship with spirituality and, and God and faith and, how do we balance that out and what do mm-hmm. we do to, to make sure that we're approaching it in, in a positive way and not in a way of, of hatred and negativity. Yeah. Naming what's wrong, but not letting that necessarily be the end of the story. Right. But again, you know, for some people it is too much. And and mm-hmm. I certainly have never had like real church trauma. Um, it doesn't sound like you have, but you know, when that's the case, it, it is different. And mm-hmm. so you know, as we're thinking about this and we're talking about these artists, again, we're not trying to say like, well, here's what they really believe or here's where they're really at or judging them for for where they ended up. We're, we're just looking at, you know, through their music, the way they talk about their faith or the faith that maybe they used to have and see how that challenges us or, or encourages us or at least gives us a different perspective. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, that's uh, getting pretty serious with the spiritual yes. stuff already. Uh, the <laughs> other thing we usually like to do with our guests uh, at the beginning is talk about some of your first pop culture interests. So what were some of the first things you remember being into? Yes. Well, not surprisingly, I think one of the first things I was into it was television. We, my family loved TGI Friday, Friday nights. Mm. We loved Full House. We recorded episodes of Full House on our little VHS tapes and we would watch them constantly. I think we were the first binge watchers maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> of a show back in you know the late 80s, early 90s. We loved Full House. And then that kind of expanded into, you know, things like Saved by the Bell and Family Matters and perfect strangers and all of these shows back back from years and years ago but Mm -hmm. tv has continued to be a big influence in my life i would say yes we we usually have a group chat with you and and uh, a couple other college friends uh always talking about what we're watching yeah so maybe that will come up in the uh end of the show it will Uh, it will (laughs) so you know thinking about what we listened to growing up and and you know, coming back to the theme of this episode, the idea of, you know, sacred and secular. Um, what do you remember? You, know, you mentioned grown up 80s and, and 90s. Uh, how do you remember people think, talking about the difference between secular music and Christian music? Yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, and I, I think some some people in our circle have had had this similar experience where Christian music for us growing up was acapella. Because with Church of Christ and growing up Church of Christ, that was really important to to our our faith foundation was the no instruments when we when we worshipped, um, which which was great. I I loved. There is actually a group acapella that I loved. We would go to their concerts. I remember being so excited to getting to see them. And then secular music was really separate. It was separate that, and apart. You might yeah, say. absolutely. That's, that's some Church of Christ lingo yes. for those that don't know. If you know, you know. You know, I, I'm not a fan of the sacred secular divide in really anything in life, um, that everything can be sacred. God can be found in anything. And that's, again, part of the idea behind this series is you know, whether or not God's being named or even if people are rejecting some aspects of, of spirituality, uh, I think we can still find God in it. And so that's uh, why, how we're approaching Boy Genius today. Yeah. So um, as we're thinking about this group with the three, Lucy Dacus, Phoebe Bridgers, and Julian Baker, um, how did you hear about them? Who did you listen to first? So who do you connect I, with the most, do you think? I definitely connect with Lucy the most, for sure. I think she was one of the first I'd known about Julian and Phoebe, but not didn't really listen to much of their music in about... I guess it was 2018. That was the year I was I was trying to do listen to as much new music as possible. That was mm-hmm. one of my kind of goals for the year, and I wanted to wrap up the year with my top ten albums um, <laughs> list. And so I was listening to New Music Friday from NPR like every week, mm-hmm. and I think that that's where I first heard Lucy's single and her album came out. I believe in March of that year, and I just listened to it nonstop. I couldn't stop listening to it. I thought it was incredible. That was a historian. And then later on that year, I'd gotten really into her. She was coming to the Ryman. She was coming to the Ryman with Phoebe and Julian. And that was really cool. Um, 
nobody else knew who they were. And so I went by myself on a Sunday <laughs> night and it was, it was an amazing experience. Lucy did a whole set. Phoebe did a whole set. Julie did a whole set. And then they performed their EP, which you had it come out yet at that point or was this it had just come out okay it had just come out at that point that was one of their first kind of shows together Mm -hmm. doing doing their songs from the ep and you want to talk about spiritual experience like (laughs) listening to them sing sing those songs in the ryman which people refer to as the mother church right like that's the Yeah. yeah original grand old opry so many incredible musicians over the years performed on that stage. And I remember Lucy specifically saying about what an honor and privilege it was to to sing there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, definitely, definitely came to her first. And I think her and then all of them collectively, they're just incredible songwriters. Their, their words and, and the music that are attached to it just really um, hit, hit a chord with me, which is one of the reasons I've been following Lucy ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually had a pretty similar experience where Lucy Dacus was the first one that I heard when when that album came out. Uh, for whatever reason, I kind of missed Phoebe's first album. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I've gone back to it a lot now and listened to some of Julian's uh, album that came out about the same time, uh, Turn Out the Lights. But yeah, Lucy was was my entry. And so then when I heard about this side project she was doing with the other two, like, oh, this, this is pretty great. And then you know, just kind of going from there. Uh, I have not seen Lucy live yet. I, I have seen Phoebe Bridgers, which I'll talk about with my next guest when we <laughs> when we talk about Phoebe. You know, so the Boy Genius did this EP that you mentioned, and then just a few weeks ago, uh, they put out the record, uh, very creatively titled yes. first album. Uh, so, what do you think about it so far? Reactions to to the record? I I love it. I love, um, ironically enough, based on what we were talking about earlier, they open up the record with an acapella song, which is great. Mm-hmm. Really, really neat. Um, I think some of the songs hit me differently than others, but collectively, I think it's a great, it's a great album. Um, the Not Strong Enough song, I think it's already my number one so- listen to song of the year because yeah. I just keep immediately hitting, hitting <laughs> back, hitting back, hitting back and listening yeah. to it again, especially my favorite part is when Lucy comes in. Yeah, um, I've I've been enjoying it a lot too. It's always you know it's kind of a weird thing whenever you get this this sort of group right where they're all established artists, and so the question of okay, how much are they going to kind of work together or mix together, or is it just going to be like this person's song and and the others are singing backup? And I feel like it was a little more too much of the second of what I would have wanted or you know, like not strong enough is a great example of one where they're very clearly all working together, like they're trading verses. And so they clearly worked on this and wrote it together. Um, But there's other songs where it's like, okay, this is just a Lucy Dacus song and they're singing a little bit of backup, or this is a Phoebe Bridger song with, um, with more harmony, which again, I like all of them. So I'm not, I'm not complaining. It's, you know, what do you expect? It's, it's hard to say. And so yeah, I would have preferred a little more of them really maybe writing together mm-hmm. than what it feels like. But 
uh, it's, it's still great because I love all of them and mm-hmm. like the energy that they bring. Um, that's kind of what I like about Julian's contributions. Like she kind of brings more energy to all the songs that she's mm-hmm. involved in. Um, cause a lot of them are pretty simple, you know, right. uh, they almost sound like demos where it's just one guitar, uh, with, with them singing. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with you, which is why I kind of said some of them hit, hit differently, you know, it just kind of depends on the song. I obviously love all the, the Lucy led ones, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but there once on the Satanist song, it, it kind of st- is a standout a little bit too, which is interesting as well. Yeah. Considering yeah, what yes. we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I didn't, I didn't dig, dig too deep into any of those songs or, you know, plan on talking about them, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's a song called Satanist. So there's a little bit of uh, spiritual thinking behind that. <laughs> and then also anti-curse. Yeah. Uh, you know, I haven't, like I said, I haven't dug too deep into the lyrics and what they're saying, but the idea of an anti-curse and then the last line is, or maybe a blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, so, so again, However, they're using it, which we're not dissecting those lyrics too much right now. They're still they're still using that language. It's it's almost unavoidable. Right. right? No matter how much you say you're out of spirituality or Christianity or faith, it's just it's in the language, it's in the culture. Mm -hmm. And so you can't help but but use that in some way. But um, speaking of dissecting lyrics and songs, we're going to talk about a song from Lucy Dacus that is uh, pretty obviously spiritual. Uh, So we're going to talk about Lucy's song VBS from the album Home Videos. Let's hear a little bit of it. In the summer of 07, I was sure I'd go to heaven, but I was hedging my All right. So she's talking about VBS. Uh, do you have any VBS memories? You mentioned you know, growing up at church. So I assume that was part of your your upbringing. Of course. Of course. It was something happening at the building. So we were there. Um, <laughs> and and actually, my grandma was kind of the lead of Vacation Bible School at my church for, for many years. And my mom's kind of taken on that role now as well at, at the church I grew up in. Um, lots of memories from Vacation Bible School. Not really spiritually related, but we always did a balloon launch at the end of our vacation Bible school week. Um, and something that would certainly not fly in 2023 is that we wrote all the kids' names and addresses on a card and attached Ooh. it to the balloon so we could kind of maybe try to find pen pals, mm, okay. which seems problematic. <laughs> yeah. now. Here's where a child lives. <laughs> yes. <and> someone. <laughs> Wow. Okay. But that did was any, like did a, that ever work out? Did we get any pen pals? We did. Oh. People would write back, and they would maybe send stuff back. So it was it was a different time. Um, but that was a big tradition, kind of at the end of our vacation Bible school. We always had a big kind of celebration where parents could come, and mm-hmm. we did the big balloon launch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't have like really specific memories like growing up. I just remember going to them every mm-hmm. time, you know, because it's what you did and. I realize now as a parent, some of that is, hey, this is something that I can send my kids to over the summer when I'm tired of them. Yes. So that's, <laughs> that is definitely a, a purpose to them. It's not the only purpose, right. but it's part of it. I don't know if you have you participated in any VBSs lately. Is you know, it's, your thing? it's been a while. I think when mm-hmm. I lived out in DC, my church out there did, did VBS and I did help some. 
Um, and then when I was an intern, but that was in college, that was yeah, a, <laughs> a long time ago now. Yeah. Well, since I've been at this current church, it's mostly been pandemic. So that's affected things. I did, it was kind of funny, you know, the, the year this song came out in 2021, we were kind of deciding that year whether or not we were going to do a VBS because we didn't know if we had the volunteers and all that. And there was a, a part, I'm not going to say like what percentage this went into it, but there was part of it for me, at least was like, well, now they feel really lame because of this song. Um, although uh, my beef with this song, there's a lot I like about it, but to me, it feels like she's talking about church camp not VBS. Did you get that feeling? Oh, 100%. I think that's what was just going through my mind is if you wonder why we're not mentioning building a fire or staying in a cabin, that's Mm -hmm. because that doesn't usually happen at VBS. Yes, Um, Uh, I I think that's more of a church camp piece. But I don't know, maybe just VBS sounded better for a song than church camp, but maybe I (laughs) I did also when, when the song came out or when she's like talking about on NPR uh, the number of times that people had to explain. So VBS stands for Vacation mm-hmm. Bible School, which is the thing the churches do. I'm like, oh, you you don't know, huh, heathens? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I but, saw I saw her in concert that year, right after the mm-hmm. the album came out, and we'll say the reaction. People loved the song. They loved the mm-hmm. song, um, and it was very impactful. I was reading some articles too, just about you know, younger people bringing their parents to her concert, like kind of to hear this song, right? Like mm. in that it really resonates with people in in a way that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the beauty of being specific in your art is, mm-hmm. okay, there's going to be some people that have no clue what you're talking about and what VBS is, but then there's going to be some people that are like, I've never heard someone talk about VBS that, you know, is mm-hmm. grew up going to that, but now that's not a part of their life. And it like unlocks this mm-hmm. these memories for people that aren't still living in that world like right. like I definitely am and, and and you are in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but you know thinking about talking about Lucy just in general you know she did have a very religious upbringing uh I've read or heard where she talked about going to church as much as we did right four nights a week it, she did a, an episode of the dirty rotten church kids podcast uh the end of last year which was really good I encourage people to go check that out if you want to dig more into her, uh, her thoughts on spirituality specifically. And kind of what she generally was saying is that, you know, when she was a kid, it was so encouraging and it was just about community and these sort of things. But then it got a little more messy as you became a teenager. Uh, So one, one quote, she said, church was much less about learning how to treat each other well and more about learning how to not have sex. So that's, that's kind of where things went once you got older in youth group. I, I don't know if that resonates with you at all, but I know purity culture was also a big thing in, in the nineties. Oh yes. When she's like, I'm hedging my bets at, at VBS where she's <laughs> yeah. almost like, am I good? Am I not good? Are mm-hmm. they telling me I need to be perfect? And so even though I think I'm going to heaven, I may not be if I make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this, it's all very tenuous. Yes. Right? That was always the idea. And that's, part of the reason you had to go every time is like, well, it's just, uh, it's full coverage, right? (laughs) If (laughs) if we're thinking of faith as fire insurance, which is often the way that it was talked about growing up and, uh, more evangelical churches, uh, it's just making sure you don't go to the bad place. And so anything else you can do and more things you can go to is just a little bit more to, for your own security to know that, that you're okay. Um, but so she eventually left the church, um, 
she came out um i think after she left from from what i've heard it wasn't like she didn't leave the church because um she came out because she was gay but uh, that definitely, you know, once you've done that, that that means you're not going to fit in a lot of those those spaces, especially the ones that are always focused on sexuality and who's doing what all the time. Um, but you know, from what I've heard her talk about with with church, she's not like angry at it. It's just kind of it's not something that's in her life anymore. Um, even though obviously, since she's written this song and it's come up in other places, it's still on her mind. You know, one of the things that I like that she said again in that podcast was that church taught her to ask good questions, even if it didn't give good answers to those mm-hmm. questions, right? So it gets you thinking about things like death and mortality and to really think about you know, how should I treat other people? So yeah, the church sometimes doesn't give the right answers to some of those those moral and, and big picture questions, but it's not a bad thing to to have them raised at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so getting specifically to the song, uh, how would you o- overall describe what this song is about or the, the story that seems to be going on in it? Well, I think it, in my mind, it's about kind of this, this pressure, this understanding to be a, to be a good person, mm-hmm. right? Like to be this going to church, doing the right things, and then also kind of evangelizing and, mm-hmm. and the, the conversation about that she talks about with the guy that that was the bad boy, the troublemaker, right? Yeah. But how she felt this draw to him and wanting to bring him to the light, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that was a big message. And um it wasn't a it wasn't really a bad message. <laughs> I don't think in any ways. Like I think that wanting to to bring people to to Jesus and to know God is a great is a great thing. But it seems like in this case in particular, like she really struggled with that. Yeah, it's the way I kind of thought about it is it's like a sure uh, and maybe maybe this is me projecting a little bit, but it's like a, a sheltered church kids meet somebody who has some real darkness in their life. Right. So she's a lot of it is her conversations with it may have been her boyfriend at the time, or at least she liked him. But he seems like he's got some there's abuse happening in his family. And and so he's seems to be maybe drawn to church and yet it, it can't quite um, bridge that gap. And, and mm. maybe she doesn't know what to do with that either. It's kind of ambiguous of, you know, is she saying, Oh, this was all wrong. And and I was totally messed up here, or I wish this could have gone better. It, it kind of leaves it up to you, which I, I think is, is better. <laughs> it's, it's not preachy, which is uh, <laughs> kind of ironic, which is what I tend to do, you know, and mm. there's that line we heard about a preacher in a t-shirt, which mm-hmm. you know, I, that has been me. So, you know, I, I do take that a little personally, but the line, you know, the preacher in a t-shirt told me I could be a leader. Yeah. Um, that, that line, and that, that is definitely church talk. Did you ever hear anything like that? Like you could really be a leader, Anne. No, absolutely. And I think too, um, when you think about church camp specifically and the place that it had in our experience growing up, like church camp was kind of this bubble of Mm. positive energy and really like encouraging people to find the light and to be the light. And, and I think that a lot of, you just felt more comfortable maybe at church camp than you did back at home in your own more kind of buttoned up church experience, like the line where she talks about like hands above our head, reaching for God, like (laughs) we didn't do that in my church. Right. But I feel like at church camp, 
that was a little, you were a little bit more open. And so when mm-hmm. I hear the line about like the preacher in a, in a t-shirt telling the, telling me that I could be a leader, I think of church camp, right? Like I think mm-hmm. of those relationships and the people and just the more comfortable space that mm-hmm. came through, through that. And so, yes, I, I've def- definitely been told that, you know, di- differently in different times um, of my mm-hmm. life. Yeah, like sometimes that could be a manipulative sort of thing, but some people could say that honestly. And Mm -hmm. I mean, again, obviously it had an effect on me. Somebody told Mm -hmm. me that, and now I am a leader in a church. So sometimes it actually works out that way. But yeah, the idea of like being a leader, you know, and what that meant, right? That that carried Mm -hmm. some weight. And I think a lot of it was like, so you can you can be a good example. You can be better than than other people, and uh, they can be more like you. That. I think that was often the way that it was meant a little bit. Um, And as someone who, you know, was generally a quote unquote good kid, Mm -hmm. um, that's possibly why, you know, that would get said to to someone like me and I assume, you know, similar for you. Yes. And I think too, just the wrestling with perfection. And Mm -hmm. I hear that in this song. I hear that in her words here of if you're influencing someone, if you're trying to bring someone to quote unquote, the light you need to be perfect, right? Like, and you need to have this persona, but then we hear in the song, like how, how messy his life is. And so we know from experience that a lot of times people in faith and Christianity, their lives are messy too, Mm -hmm. and they hide it and they try to hold it back and they don't try to share it. And I think that, that in some ways, wouldn't we be showing the light more if we showed our messiness? Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, you know, she's, uh, she says like 2007, so she would have been mm-hmm. about 12 or 13. So yeah. this is pretty young. Right? Yeah. This isn't even like a late teenager. No, no. Yeah. But and, entering that, mo- entering that teenage mindset, I think. Mm-hmm. But like this idea of you've got to evangelize your friends or you've got to, you got to show them the light, right? That's the, that's the line. Um, and yet like, what do we know? Right. Like these are kids, these are children. And all they can do is repeat the cliches that they've been given from someone who may or may not have actually, you know, really unpacked what they're saying. Um, You know, uh, I can't remember where I heard it, but someone that was in the same boat, you know, like, I felt like I had to save all my friends and, and, um, and someone responded, you know, when they said like, are you saved? And the person responded, saved from what? And they didn't even have an answer to that right? It's just like, well, this is the question I'm supposed to ask. Are mm-hmm. you saved? And not having the the depth to really dig into that. Right. Um, and so, yeah, one of the lines that, that to me is kind of in that vein is, you know, when she tells them you were born, you're here for a reason, uh, right? That's very christian yes. Um, uh, But then it's kind of like his response is uh, he's not convinced the reason is a good one. You know, if you just say those cliches, if you have, if you're talking with someone who's actually got some real life experience, they, they may push back on a little bit. And and are you prepared? I think I remember too, like separate from that. I remember thinking a lot of my friends went to church. They went to other churches, grew up in some type of faith based thing. And so I, I remember thinking like, well, I feel like this is, I'm supposed to be doing this, but I don't have anyone to save. Who can I help? Yeah. Like I need a project. And, (laughs) And maybe that's kind of this the relationship in this song, like she's drawn to him, you know, like you mentioned, she's kind of like a bad boy. And so she's interested, but yeah, it, it affected all of our relationships this way that we were trained to, 
to look at people around us and say, okay, who's, who's, you know, going to hell and I need to be friends with them mm-hmm. for this purpose. And so none of the relationships were actually, you know, honest in right. a sense, you know, again, there were good intentions behind it. We were trying to help people as we understood it. And that's what we were told, but maybe weren't aware enough of, of what's really going on with people and, mm-hmm. and really having good answers to some of the hard questions that are out there. And mm-hmm. that gets to that line that, that you mentioned. So let's hear uh, this line at the end of the chorus. What do you feel like is going on in that, that conversation there? I think you can kind of read it, read into it two different ways. You can think about it as him saying that to her, or you could hear him saying like, like you showed me the light and then her kind of stepping stepping back and realizing maybe in herself mm-hmm. that it makes the dark feel darker than before for her because she's not being real. She's not being, she's, she's not actu- actually showing him the light because you know, and I, I've thought a lot about this in conjunction with this song of just, we were told a lot to, to be in the world, but not be of the world. <laughs> um, that mm-hmm. was a big phrase, a big phrase no. for us. And so I think about that in this moment of, of, again, we know she was young, she was young in, in this particular instance, but just her in her life. And she probably feels, and I know, I know she shared this, like she's much more authentic. She's who she is. Mm -hmm. She is much more comfortable in her own skin now. And I think that when we can kind of come almost out of that fakeness of like, this is how I'm supposed to be. And I need to be this uh, incredible version of myself so I can show people the light. Mm -hmm. And when in reality, if we're just truthful and honest, and we are who we are, a lot of times that's much more attractive and and brings people more to to that faith I've I've had mm-hmm. I've had someone tell me in my adulthood life like you're normal but we know you're a Christian like your faith is so important to you but you're you're not shoving it down our throats <laughs> right mm-hmm. and so I guess that's kind of what I I see in this this phrase that's how I read it whether or not mm-hmm. that's that's her intention behind behind it or not yeah, I, I mean, it's just an interesting phrase, and it's. I want to think about what, yeah, what could be going on in that. But yeah, the idea of the light. What does that imply, right? Well, I have the light, and I'm going to show that to you, right? This, uh, and it's very almost condescending. Of mm-hmm. Like, well, I've got it all figured out as a 12 year old or whatever, yes. <laughs> a 15 year old maybe, and so I'm going to let me inform you of of all these things. And again, you know, when there's real darkness there, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I was baptized. And so I would say I was saved. It's like, what was I saved from? Right? Like I had done some things wrong, but I had a great life of good parents, good home life, all these sort of things. And, and I don't want to downplay that. Um, but what difference can it really make when someone does have, you know, truly dark 
things going on in their life. And, you know, I want to believe that there is something in, in the message of, of Christ that can give hope and meaning in the midst of that, mm-hmm. but recognize like it's, it's not simple. You know, it, it challenges those simplistic, just come to Jesus and everything will be fine. You know, I think that's probably the attitude that she would have had at the time. Mm-hmm. And she's seeing someone where it's like, well, I can come to Jesus, but my dad's still going to beat me when I go home. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, what what do you do? Right. So maybe that's the, the dark feels darker because it's like, well, now I know that it could be better, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have easy answers for that still, you know, of why, why there is so much darkness still, even where where Christ should be more present, you know, for mm-hmm. people that are, that are committed. Um, and so it's, you know, this longing, right. We all want to seek what is good and beautiful. Uh, and yet when we're given such a simplistic picture of, of that, uh, it doesn't always hold up, mm-hmm. you know, and I know you and and I believe that uh, the message of, of Jesus is deeper than that. It, it doesn't always answer all these things and it doesn't make the darkness go away. Um, so maybe the way we talk about it is light. We need to think a little bit deeper about, um, but yeah, it's, it's, if it can't address real life situations and, and real difficulties, then it doesn't actually mean a whole lot. And if, like I said before, I don't know what it is that makes some people feel like, no, I'm going to keep, pushing through and and maybe I don't have all the answers to all of these things, but you know, I'm I'm gonna stick with it. And some where the not being able to figure it out is is too much. And and so they don't. Yeah. Well and I think too when it goes right into the end of the song and there's there's no resolve, right? Like there's mm-hmm. no she kind of ends the song on just this sustained note and there's no like back to where a typical ending of a song and I'm probably reading way too much into it, but that's one of my favorite yeah. parts of the song because I just think that like, that's telling me like, none of us are resolved. None of mm-hmm. this is resolved. Like we're all like a work in progress. We're all like, none of us are perfect d- despite the, maybe the demand to be a certain way and be a certain thing when we were young, mm-hmm. um, that our, our faith is messy. Um, mm-hmm. We're not resolved a hundred percent. No, I love that. I mean, reading that much into songs is exactly what we're here for. And I mean, yeah, we both, I know, you know, a lot of music theory and stuff and the idea of like notes that resolve and don't like yeah. that's, that's terminology and it doesn't, right. It is kind of end on a, it leaves you hanging and that's just how life is going to be. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's how Christianity and faith will be sometimes. And, you know, not judging people that, that are out because it's not resolved. Um, right. I think I'm, I have harsher judgment for people that say that it is resolved when it's not right, um, because that's more often my experience with, with church people. And so can you hold on to that tension, um, and, and keep trying to, to deal with it again, like we said, the fact that she's coming back to this concept this VBS after being out of church for over a decade tells her, yeah, it's, it's not resolved for her either, mm-hmm. but the fact that you're willing to wrestle with it, I think that that means something and people are always going to be wrestling with it if they're thoughtful people. And that's why I like her music. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll have you back at the end of the show to talk about our consolations and desolations, but for now we're going to move to our next guest and 
talk about Phoebe Bridgers. Well, our next guest is my friend Kristen Connolly, and she's here to talk about Phoebe Bridgers with me. Uh, welcome to the show, Kristen. Hello. <laughs> All right. Glad to have you. Well, uh, as we've already done with our, our other guest, uh, give us a little bit of your, your spiritual bio, your faith journey, and maybe some of where you're at now. For sure. Um, so I grew up in the church, um, actually this church that, you know, you preach at. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I have, I started going to church when I was an infant, you know, one of those born on a Mm-hmm. Wednesday and you're in the pew on Sunday morning yep. um, and my family's been super involved in church my entire life um, and let's see after I graduated high school um, I went to college and um, just kind of stopped coming stopped doing the whole religion thing um, wasn't really sure what to make of it. I wanted to find a different place to go um, because I didn't want to go to the same place my parents were at. That's fair. Um, <laughs> but I also couldn't find anywhere because mm-hmm. it's hard to find a church um, that yeah. I feel comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when Chris started coming around, um, I heard there might be some positive changes happening, and I said, oh, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could uh, help with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there have been some changes. Yes. You and, don't have to go into all of those right now. Oh, no, for sure. Um, but... That kind of drew me back in, and since then, I've become more involved than I've ever been, um, both with, like, teaching Sunday school classes and um, doing a lot of, like, Bible studies and just talking to people. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a Christian at the moment. Um, I'm, I definitely believe in, you know, the higher power and God and love and everything, um, but... I don't know. The whole organized religion thing is not my very favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that, I mean, that's going to kind of track with what we're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) You still feel something and, um, and you appreciate some of what you had before, but there's a lot, I mean, we've talked, I don't know how many episodes I've done on deconstruction. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) One of those Bible studies you talked about was built around that idea of, you know, trying to take some of these things apart and think about it. And, and that's really why we're doing this is to con- you just have a different perspective to think about some of these same questions uh, from a you know very different perspective. Yes. Uh, but before we get to Phoebe, who is, I know, a big pop culture interest that we share, uh, <laughs> uh, what were some of the first pop culture things that you were into that really got you caring about music or TV or movies or whatever? Well, it's always been music for me. Um, I don't honestly remember... A lot of like the music I listened to when I was really young, um, but I do remember I started singing um, when I was a toddler and haven't stopped since. I think the first thing that was kind of mine that I super got into was Taylor Swift. It was very different from what I'd ever heard because I was raised pretty much exclusively on Christian rock and Christian music, mm. um, which was fine. I'm not a huge fan of it anymore, but... Um, that was my mom's thing, and it was just very, very different um, to listen to this music by Taylor Swift, who um, was being really emotional and vulnerable and um, talking about, you know, hard times and um, just grieving and loss, and I just really connected with that from a young age, and mm-hmm. um, 
I don't know. She's always been my my gal since mm-hmm. then. Kind of gets into what we're talking about mm-hmm. now. Um, Boy Genius, very much not a Christian band, <laughs> and yet we're seeing how some of these ideas still keep coming in in, in their music. But uh, when we think about Boy Genius, these three artists, uh, who did you listen to first? Who do you connect with the most? What was kind of your experience coming to this group? Um, so I have been listening to Lucy Dacus for quite a while. I have really loved a lot of her songs. Um, I didn't actually really know a lot about who she was or anything um, until I started listening to Phoebe Bridgers and uh, obviously they're friends and make music together and stuff. So I kind of was like, oh, well, I'm going to look at this other person. And um, then I was like, oh, this is the same person that I really liked a lot of her songs. <laughs> Things converge. <laughs> yes. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I definitely connect with Phoebe the most. Uh, but I'm also, I don't know, Julian's pretty, she's growing on me. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, as I mentioned, uh, we are both big Phoebe Bridgers fans. We went and saw her in uh, Kansas City last year. And that was amazing. Just a really beautiful show, uh, pretty cathartic, I would say, yeah. getting some of those emotions out. Um, because, yeah, she there's a lot of feels that go with, with her music. Uh, but obviously, I already have mentioned that the Boy Genius, this group, put out the record a couple weeks ago. So what have been some of your reactions to it so far? I super love it a lot. Um, <laughs> I think that it really captures like um, a state of music that I would like to see more of um, in in that, you know, friends just making music together and um, writing songs together and things like that. Things we don't really see happening very often, um, especially like outside of a band per se. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that like the way that they kind of went about that and um, made the record was very inspiring and, um, beautiful and you know friendship and everything and uh I definitely like I watched the um music video and um that was like I don't know I really loved the music video and I was like man I wish I could just live in that music video (laughs) (laughs) I want to be friends with them I want to be in boy genius right I'm like you can paint my face blue too You are a true blue friend, Kristen. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that that was one of the things I really took away from it too. Is just like the like they really do love each other and that that friendship, how strongly that comes through. And you know, like there's sort of love songs on the record, but like they're talking about their love for each other. And yeah. I don't. It's that friendship doesn't get talked about in that way, or there's not as many songs about that. Like it, yeah. we just always focus solely on the romantic and yeah, um, yeah, how deep their friendship is and. One, uh, so one thing with the video that the part where they all like make out with each other, mm-hmm. that was um, startling for me because I'm not used to that. But also um, I really relate to that because like as a queer person, um, like I feel like a lot of times that line between like friends and more can get blurred um, and mm-hmm. it's not always so clear. And also it can go either way. And it's kind of, you know, like, surpassing um like a sexual or romantic relationship it's like Mm -hmm. it's so much more and it doesn't have to be any one way um to be super meaningful and to share that deep deep love for each other yeah i kind of noticed that too right that it's love and and we wanted to find it out well is it friends or is it more than friends like it's love yeah and yeah that's that's kind of what they're celebrating in that and that's you know help 
it's uh, caused me to kind of rethink some of my assumptions on that too. Well, uh, we, like I said, we're mostly going to focus on a song uh, from Phoebe Bridgers. That's what we're doing in this series, looking at um, secular music that actually seems to be haunted by transcendence. And well, haunted is probably a pretty good word for uh, Phoebe Bridgers because she likes the spooky. She does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this song we're going to talk about is called Chinese Satellite from her 2020 album Punisher. This is my favorite album of 2020. Uh, it just really connected with me. Um, I mean, there's a lot of sadness in it, and 2020 was a sad year. Mm-hmm. And so that is probably not a coincidence. Uh, but her ability to just name these different feelings and just to feel things so deeply. Uh, I don't know, what did you love about the album in general? Um, everything? I don't know. Um, I've, <laughs> I've always been really drawn to, um, like, darkness and... Um, mm-hmm that next level of just like emotion that um, really scares some people. Um, and I, I, I love that. I seek that out and like people who are more like that, I'm like drawn to them. Um, and with this album in particular, um, I actually, <laughs> um, this is the album that kind of uh, I listened to first, like so much that I um, catapulted myself into the, what was it? The top, half percent of phoebe bridgers right. fans on spotify that year um <laughs> good so job it was it was a really Achieve happy year it. that year um <laughs> <laughs> and i love a song that i can just weep in the car to so yeah, yeah. um I, I don't know what that is why do we want sadness when we're already feeling sad but yeah, yeah being able to name that or you know for some like me, that it's harder to connect to some of those emotions sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this is putting into words what I'm actually already feeling yeah. um, in ways that you know I couldn't express on my own. Yeah. All right, so this specific song, though, Chinese Satellite, uh, it's one of the highlights to me because, you know, just the musicality of it, but also what it's what it's about. So how would you kind of summarize this song? What, what did you see as some of the big themes? We'll get into, like, specific lyrics in a little oh, bit, right. but what would you say it's about? I love reading into everything all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's what we do here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I I think when I first heard this song, um, the major theme that I definitely picked up on was you know questioning and um, just yearning for for something more. Um, and then as time has gone on, it's kind of transformed into more of a song of like freedom for me. Um, mm. In that, like, I don't have to be certain. I don't have to, I don't have to say this is, um, I don't have to know all the answers and it doesn't have to look one specific way, um, for me to connect with like my spiritual side, because you can see her struggling with that and, um, wanting there to be more to that part of life and of her. Yeah. As I've talked about so much of the theme of this, the series of looking at music that we're doing here, it's about how nobody's 100%, right? Yeah. Even if you say you're a believer, it is hard to believe mm-hmm. at times. And there are some people for whom it seems like it's simple, but I'm going to guess that it's really not, and <laughs> or maybe they're in denial. Right. But on the other side, someone who you know identifies as atheist or agnostic, they, there's some struggle there too. You know, what I love about this song is there's some longing on the other side here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've heard her at a concert, introduced this as a song about how there's no God, but she doesn't seem like yeah. 100% sure about that. And again, 
I'm not trying to label somebody or say that they're wrong about uh, what they believe. We're just naming that there is some tension there. And, you know, Phoebe's a little different because with the other artists that we looked at, you know, they did have a, you know, grow up in church. You know, Lucy Dacus was like a four times a week church person, which is mm-hmm. probably more our experience. But yeah. um, Phoebe Bridgers didn't have any religious background. I'm going to read a quote that I found an interview from 2020 because uh, they were asking about this song. She said, no, I, I never had a relationship with religion. I was not raised religious, uh, atheist. Absolutely. That being said, I have religious friends who fought me on that and found like queer communities through their church or whatever. So I think I was jealous of people with some sort of sense of greater community and also people who could sleep at night knowing that someone was taking care of them. And when I heard that quote, I wonder, I wonder if those friends are Lucy or Julian. I, right. I don't know. <laughs> and so that's kind of naming, you could almost call it like a, a crisis of non-belief. We're probably familiar with a crisis yeah. of faith, yeah. uh, but it, it can happen on the other side too. What did you hear in, in that quote? So uh, that last part, she really um, was jealous of people who could sleep at night knowing that someone was taking care of them. That has never been my experience. <laughs> it has always been... Um, they're supposed to be someone taking care of me. Why aren't they? Why mm. Why is everything so hard? Why am I struggling and suffering for no good reason? Um, and like, I just remember like laying in my bed every night when I was a kid, just begging God to like take away this like medical condition that I had. Um, and I just remember just laying in my bed every night for years and years and years, just saying like, why? Why do mm-hmm. I have to keep struggling mm-hmm. with this? Like, you're supposed to be taking care of me and, you know, you're supposed to make sure that I'm okay, I guess. But that was definitely not um, the case. And- yeah. And, well, and sometimes, I don't know if this was maybe your experience as well, sometimes belief in God makes it even more scary because, well, what if God's not taking care of me? He's actually going to send me to hell forever. Right. Like there's yeah. something wrong with me because right. he's not taking care of yeah, me. Yeah. Right. I'm doing something wrong and it's it's just going to get worse. Yeah. <laughs> after I leave this life. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I talked about the same idea when I was looking at the 1975 in the last Haunted by Transcendence episode where it's the same sort of ideas being expressed in one of those songs about like, if I believe you, will that make it stop? And the yeah. answer is no, it no. will not. <laughs> We've struggled with that, and as much as it might be, there are things that are appealing about having a higher power to trust in uh, when that's just not your experience, Mm -hmm. but it's not like an easy answer. It doesn't solve everything. Yeah. But that is such the theme of the song. Uh, So let's uh, play a little bit of it here, and you can hear the song we've been talking about for like 10 minutes. So this (laughs) is from Chinese Satellite by Phoebe Bridgers. Took a two. I want to believe, right? That's that's the tension in this song. And you know, wanting to believe does not mean that belief is easy. And I think we already heard a little in, in that other quote about what, what she maybe is looking for, but can't quite make the jump. Um, and it's also, uh, I think there's some X-Files references. Did you ever watch that show? Is oh, that yeah. Before you? Okay. My mom was big into the X-Files. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because she talks later about alien abduction and stuff like that. Yeah. 
Um, and actually realized today, I think the album cover maybe is referring to this because it's her out looking at the stars. Oh. And there's kind of like a red glowing light on her, possibly like from a spaceship or a satellite. So I don't know if that's the case. And like this is a kind of foundational to the whole album. Yeah. Um, but just that idea of, you know, I, I went to wish on a star, this kind of magical, mystical sort of thing. But all it was was a, a satellite. And, you know, to me, what that speaks to is the way that, again, the supernatural is just so hard for us to actually fully believe in anything. You know, we're so disenchanted. And so the supernatural gets replaced with technology, right? Because that's, that's what's here. That's what we can touch. We know it's not providing the same transcendence. Mm -hmm. And yet that's, that seems to be all that, that we can find. And so, but she's looking for something, right? She wants to believe and she even says a little bit later, I don't think it was in the in the clip we listened to, that she wants to be wrong. Um, so what do you think she wants to be wrong about? I mean, believe anything. <laughs> mm. I mean, I definitely, like, ignorance is bliss in, in a way. You know, like, if you were wishing on a Chinese satellite and had no idea, then, you know, it would be the same experience. Um, and I feel like that is kind of how, like, non-religious people view religious people sometimes, um, cause that's the way I viewed people at times, um, mm -hmm. as you know, well, they don't really understand. And, you know, if they did, mm -hmm. then it'd be different. The, the imagery of like the stars, um, really speaks to me. I'm definitely somebody who just like loves to go and watch the sunset and, um, get up early to watch the sunrise and go and watch the stars for hours and hours. I just love the feeling of being in awe of the sky and how incredibly huge it is. Um, yeah, I mean, that is, like, it is transcendent. Yes. It's just, it just have to experience it, and anyone can experience that, and it doesn't necessarily point you to a higher power, but, right, just seeing that. It's funny that, you know, I've, all these years, I've, I looked up at the sky and felt those things um, without the knowledge of, obviously, we have, we none of us have all of the knowledge of what is in the universe mm -hmm. and just how much beauty and vastness there is mm. um and these like artificial stars that we make <laughs> or you can't see the stars because there's too much light yeah. pollution right yeah living in a city yeah right we want to believe that there's there's more there but sometimes it's not and I, one of the lines in the song she mentions i look at the sky and i feel nothing yeah i mean that happens too sometimes where it's yeah. just you know i've had that where i want to go out in nature and reconnect and see something bigger myself and I don't feel it yeah you know, sometimes you do and and but like that's the nature of spiritual experiences mm -hmm. is they can't be forced uh regardless of what you believe about God or anything in in that realm it, we're not in control of, of how we feel about that and what we experience um, but there that desire is there and I think we're all looking for something bigger yeah. Um, whether or not we're going to be able to name it or not. Absolutely. So another thing, that, so going a little further in the song, um, she talks about screaming at evangelicals, and they were screaming right back, which sounds pretty accurate to yeah. <laughs> the times that we live in. But I, I want to hear the the rest of this line, right? It's like, and she's ha there's some conversation that she's having with a friend, uh, but here's what she says uh, about that. But you know, I stand on 
So maybe this is just me. I mean, if you heard my last podcast, it was all music about grief. But to me, again, this seems like a song that is influenced by grief. Right? The, there's somebody that she was close to that uh, even is, seems to be a character in the song that she's talking with, who I think is past. And you know, there's some sort of argument with the evangelicals about whether this person uh, should continue living or be a vegetable or, or anything like that. But what you heard in that line we just listened to is she's hoping for something with someone who's gone, mm-hmm. uh, but she's not really sure. Uh, is this just wishful thinking, or is that a real hope? Uh, what did what did you hear her wishing for? I, like she's saying, I would join those jerk <laughs> evangelicals if if it meant you could come back, but I don't think that happens. Yeah, this was this is definitely my favorite part of the song. Um, I think for me, it kind of uh, brought about a lot of the, I don't know, it held up a mirror to me. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I was that person that would be screaming right back when I was younger. Um, and, you know, seeing that, like, that is their experience. They do think that doing these things, screaming at people on the streets, mm-hmm. is going to get them to a place where they could see their loved ones again. Um, and... I think it's really painful that the person in the song who has passed didn't believe in in an afterlife and I think that was painful because they were they just said I think when you're gone it's forever mm. and that is just so finite and painful and I I've never been able to fully come to terms with losing people and and the idea that it could be forever like I would never see them again and I haven't actually fully ever believed that I wouldn't just because I mean based on my on my upbringing and everything I was raised believing that but I mean I think I've always held on to that as something like there has to be something that I can see these people again and um the people that meant so much to me and that I meant so much to them um and who I miss dearly and I feel like she's struggling with that with that pain because it's just so consuming and I would do anything to avoid that right like I would right. I would stand on this corner with a picket sign because if that meant that I could go and hug somebody or right. talk to somebody. To know for certain. Yeah. You know, I think that's so much of it. You know, because I, I, I resonate with that as well. Even though I have taught about this and studied a lot about this, what, you know, what scripture says, it's like, well, you know, I'm, I hope. Right. Right. And hope can mean a lot of different things. It can just be like a wish or like, yeah. well, I have no real basis for this, but I yeah. hope this happens. Or it can be based on, you know, like true faith and what we really believe. But, yeah, we just, we don't know. Yeah. You know I, and I think a question that we all have to wrestle with is, you know, is, is our faith, is religion just an attempt to deal with that fear of death or that we can't mm-hmm. handle the concept of me personally not existing or that person that they are completely gone? I, I don't have an answer to that. I'm not going to try to <laughs> just say like, well, obviously it's this. I, I, that's a deep question that we have to address and think about what is motivating what we hope for is it really based on anything is it just wishful thinking um but you know like i said as much as i've studied it 
I'm still agnostic about what happens when we die because I guess I haven't died and gone and come back to be able <laughs> right. to talk about it. Yeah. Nobody has. So we can't say for certain, well, here's what is going to happen. But you know, we can't have hope. But what does that actually look like? I definitely... <laughs> uh, gosh, I have had so many conflicting feelings about, you know, if there's an afterlife or what happens next and that kind of thing. Um, but not in like the traditional sense. Um, cause I mean, from a very young age, I was very suicidal and attempted to take my life when I was 13 or 14 and have kind of just lived with this acceptance that I will die. Mm. And I'm not afraid of that. I don't, I don't mind that at all. I, I think that what's painful for me is when other people die mm. um, because I have to be here without them. Mm. Um, and it truly would have been easier um, to not have to live through all of that pain, but that pain is is how I experienced love and connection with them after they were gone. It does come down to love. That's why it's painful for us who are left behind uh, because – we believe that love is so important. And that, for me, like when I am in that place of hope, it, that's what it centers on, right? Mm -hmm. That love, if God is love, then love has to be bigger than, than death. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean I know exactly what it's going to be like, but I can trust in that. You know, yeah. that's, I guess that's what I want to believe, <laughs> you know, to use, to use her words. I want to believe that love is stronger than death whatever that means. I mean, it's certainly true in this life. When people die, the love continues mm -hmm. and it's painful, but um, I don't think that's a pain we actually would want to give up. And so I think that to me, that does point to something bigger. If love has that power here, uh, maybe death can't fully defeat it. But I, as we're saying in all of this, we can't know that for certain. That's, I think, so often what, what we want and what mm -hmm. some branches of, of faith try and promise, but it, it just it seemed like that's unrealistic. We can't be certain, but what can we trust in? What kind of person is formed by what you want to believe in, what you choose to believe in? Yeah. If, if we choose to believe uh, in love and, and true hope, I think that makes life somehow worth living and is somehow forming us into people of, of worth. Um, I have always felt such a strong connection to other people. For me, the the evidence that I have that there is something more, that it's not just atoms and particles um, making up a blob of a person mm -hmm. is, you know, because of my experiences of love, like that feeling, there is nothing like it. And think that if there is something beyond that, then it has to be love. It has to be that. Mm -hmm community and that feeling that I've always craved and longed for. And I think we all do at some level. Yeah. Because we're talking about what is transcendent. Mm -hmm. Love is the most transcendent thing. Yeah. And again, if, if love, if God by nature is love, then I think that's where we can find some sort of foundation in this and trust. And I mean, we want to believe, um, I, I think believing in love and community and, and other people is what gives life meaning. I can't prove it, but uh, that's what I want to believe. Mm. 
All right. Well, now we're at the end of our show and we're going to do the segment that we all know and love, our pop culture consolations and desolations. This is where we talk about just anything in pop culture that uh, is either life-giving or is not life-giving. And so Anne is back with us. So Anne, what's uh, something that's been a a consolation for you in the pop culture world recently? So this is going to sound like an interesting choice, but I saw uh, the new Zach Braff movie a couple weeks ago, A Good Mm. Person. Mm -hmm. Uh, Garden State is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. The Mm -hmm. soundtrack talking about music. I was thinking a lot about how in that, in Garden State, they're like, oh, you got to listen to this, to this song. It'll change your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Like me slaying the, the, the shins and, yeah, yeah. um, a good person is very different. It's a different, different vibe for sure. But, um, trigger warning going into it for anybody who wants to watch it, but it really impacted me. I think I sat, I sat in the movie theater and just cried and there were happy parts. There were, there were sad parts. There were hard parts, but it was a really great, um, great movie and Florence Pugh is incredible she's always amazing yeah she's unbelievable and you Morgan Freeman was great and you could really tell I think we read my friend and I that went and saw it with she read it in an article that was like clearly Zach Braff wrote this for someone he loves right like so she she Mm -hmm. put her heart and soul into this and he he did as well in the writing so highly recommend seeing it but like I said trigger warning yeah. <laughs> so make sure you read what it's about right. before you okay. see it. <laughs> good to know yeah I listened to the the podcast that he does with Donald Faison about scrubs and so I've heard him talk about it plenty but haven't haven't gotten to it yet yes all right any uh desolations this week you don't have to have something that yes uh, well so it's actually interesting I, there saw, it is. I saw something today um and I immediately messaged my brother my brother their HBO just announced a new Harry Potter television sh- show that's coming out. Mm-hmm. And I think my initial reaction was, but why? Like, why do no. we need a television show? So I was, uh, it just feels like we, we keep trying to squeeze as much as we can about, out of the things that are already popular in pop culture. Mm-hmm. There's already a theme park. There's a studio tour. There's the play there's all the movies there's the books why do we need something else when the movies were great in and of themselves and so definitely um feeling a bit disappointed I wish I I, my one of my favorite things is when there's a new idea yeah it doesn't (laughs) happen too much it doesn't happen it doesn't happen often enough so Mm -hmm. yeah they're they're just always going to milk these things even though I mean the last movies that they made and they tried to start a new spinoff didn't really work um but yeah they're gonna keep trying because i think there's money there um and probably won't be good but we'll see well thanks for being on the show Anne. always good talking to you yeah thanks chris Kristen, what was a pop culture consolation for you recently it's always music with me i don't i don't know my favorite artist just released um a couple of albums recently um and his name is hobo johnson (laughs) he's a he's hobo johnson alienates his fan base Mm -hmm. i say just released this was two years ago i'm still listening to it i'm (laughs) popping and also the revenge of hobo johnson but uh i'm a big fan big fan um check it out (laughs) all right so that's hobo johnson uh lovely name there all right any uh desolations this week for you anything that has not been life-giving I am really struggling with the whole um, 
over regulation of the music industry and like producers and everything just kind of ripping the heart and soul out of music mm. <laughs> as best they can. It's it's becoming harder and harder for me to love the direction of a lot of the like super popular music of the day um, that, I don't know, I feel like just doesn't have a lot of meaning. It doesn't have depth and things like that. All right. Well, my uh, one of my consolations this week would be I'm, I'm starting a comic book club this week, uh, which is, you know, about as nerdy as you can be. But <laughs> being able to share those kind of interests, I'm going to get together with a few nerd friends and talk about Batman. So, Heck you know, yeah. what what is better than that? And then uh, something that I, I'm not sure where to put it as a consolation or a desolation, but I went and saw the Super Mario Brothers movie today. <laughs> and there was a lot that I really enjoyed in it. And there were some things that, that made me laugh. But then there were a lot of other choices they made that just kind of felt like they weren't trying very hard. It's like they knew, well, people will come see this. Mm -hmm. Or it's like, well, we know we have to include them doing Mario Kart. And we have to include him fighting Donkey Kong like it's Super yeah. Smash Bros. And we have to include power-ups. And then they kind of worked backwards from you know, the things they had to include. Yeah. Um, Jack yes. Black, amazing. Always. 10 out of 10. Yes. <laughs> no uh, notes. So, like, <laughs> He was fully committed, but it felt like most of the other voice actors were not that committed. Um, and, you know, I've been a lifelong Nintendo fan, as I've talked about. And, you know, I know it's a kid's movie and I don't want to be like, well, like comic book guy from <laughs> The Simpsons who's complaining about why a children's movie didn't appeal to a 40 year old man. More. I mean, it, it is it is targeted towards older people, too, because, you know, we grew up with that. Right. You grew up with that. Well, and, and my my counter argument to that is always well there's also like pixar oh right? that's they make yes. kids movies that are actually thoughtful and yeah. this was uh not that thoughtful but i still enjoyed it for the most part yeah. so i really liked the animation yes it was beautiful it was like, very you see good. the stitching on mario's hat was, was pretty amazing i really so, loved the way that they uh especially focused on like the realistic body type of peach because i literally mm -hmm. kept watching her movements and being like i have never seen a female character an animated female character move in a realistic way with yeah. a realistic body and she like she did not need really help from mario at all yeah like, <laughs> i do like the way that they kind of spend that is not yeah. just luigi was basically the princess yeah like, he was the one that was and isn't he always <laughs> well hey Blessing. i am a luigi stan oh, as yeah. a as a skinny, tall person. <laughs> all right. So that's that's about all I had for consolations and desolations this week. But uh, thanks for being with us, Kristen. As we come to the close of the show, it's time to get serious for just a moment. One of the themes that came through as we're talking about Boy Genius, as we're talking about these three artists and their relationship with each other, is how much we need community. Maybe it is a faith community. Maybe you find that somewhere else. Maybe you find it through a podcast. And so, as a listener, you are part of the Pop Culture Pastor community. And if you believe in this community, then I hope you believe that it deserves to grow. And the only way that happens is through you. So, share this podcast. Go and leave us a review. It makes a difference. If you want to make a difference, if you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, commit to helping us out here at Pop Culture Pastor. As always, the show is produced by me. Our theme music is Be Thou My Vision from the 8-Bit Hymnal by Mr. Tyler Larson. 
show comes out every other Thursday on your preferred podcast platform. And you can follow me in the meantime on Instagram or Facebook at Pop Culture Pastor for more. Next time, we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian and the idea of fundamentalism and how that is present in the show, just like it is in the real world. But for now, you are dismissed. Go in peace. <laughs>